This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. Computation is part of the design process, and so it gives you this infinite flexibility to, to design, to copy, to remix, to, to invent and share uh, what you make with other people. Hello, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. With us is Eric Rosenbaum, who is a creative technologist. And Eric, as I was looking at a little of your background, the thing that leapt off the page to me is you got to go to Lifelong Kindergarten, and I want to go there too. What is that? Oh, it's an incredible place. <laughs> um, the Lifelong Kindergarten uh, Research Group is one of the labs that's part of the MIT Media Lab. Um, which is a wonderful place full of uh, amazing people and toys and adventures. It's a research lab uh, where a wide range of work happens from uh, robotic prosthetic limbs to the future of synthetic biology to uh, new ways of thinking about using technology to help people learn. And that's what the Lifelong Kindergarten uh, is about. I did my PhD research there with Professor Mitchell Resnick, uh, who is I forget the exact title, but he's a, he's a Lego professor, technically. He can actually call himself that, which is super <laughs> cool. Um, and so we, we find ways to help people learn through play, to learn through making. It's inspired by kindergarten and saying, why can't the rest of life be like that, where you, you, you get to learn by expressing yourself and using your imagination. So one of the outgrowths uh, of this is, and really MIT was ground zero for something that's now being called the maker movement. And as we look around Massachusetts, we see old mill buildings and warehouses be being turned into maker spaces where people can kind of Airbnb into a welding machine or into um, um, a clay a kiln or a, or a photo lab or something. Give us a little insight into what's happening in maker spaces, what it is now, and what do you see around the world? My introduction to the world of maker spaces was uh, when I arrived at the Media Lab as a student, I took a course there called How to Make Almost Anything. It's taught by an amazing visionary professor named Neil Gershenfeld. And he uh, launched into the world this idea of the Fab Lab. What he had were incredible tools. They're called digital fabrication tools. So unlike those things that you mentioned, like saws and kilns, these are machines that use computation to control um, either making things either by cutting away material or adding material. And so you can design something on a computer and, uh, and then you know, open the box up, and there it is. Ding. Incredible. Um, so the recent rise of, of 3D printing and even 3D printing in schools is a part of that world. But what I learned in How to Make Almost Anything was that there's a whole bunch of other tools. They, have a, a, they had a wonderful laser cutter when I was there. Those are starting to spread a little bit as well. It's a real fast machine. You can cut. You just you know, draw something on the computer, and you can cut it out of paper or cardboard or uh, acrylic or even wood um, uh, and very quickly make complex physical objects. Often we would just make you know, like a box or a puzzle or a table even as a, as a gift. So is the idea that the Fab Lab would actually go out into other maker spaces? Mm -hmm. Neil Gershenfeld, the professor who launched the Fab Lab movement, I think had a kind of epiphany. When he first taught a class using all these amazing digital fabrication tools, people showed up who he didn't necessarily expect to be interested. So you had mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, people who wanted to make stuff in that way, the typical MIT students. But there's other typical MIT students who are artists, designers, uh, musical hackers, dramatists, 
Um, and those people made things that he never would have imagined, collaborated in ways that created whole new possibilities, and began to teach each other and invent things that took the possibilities of just the tools themselves much further. So it's really about the collaboration of a group of people. And so I think that's what made the idea take off around the world. And there's now a worldwide um, Fab Lab network. There was a big international conference here in Boston uh, just recently this summer of people all over the planet using these tools in creative ways to solve their local problems, to help kids learn, um, and just to express themselves and play and make things for fun. So what I'm hearing you say, this is less about um, uh, having a little time to borrow a piece of equipment for my own particular interest. The real power of it comes in the collection of people who go together in these labs or spaces or maker spaces who then start talking to each other and getting better ideas and their contagious creativity uh, explodes. Oh, it's an incredible experience to, to, you know, find yourself in the middle of the night in the fab lab, in the makerspace, uh, working with people on your projects and finding that you know you have some complementary skill set and you can teach each other. Uh, I was I, in this course, How to Make Almost Anything, I was with uh, an artist who had this deep skill in molding and casting, in uh, you know making a rubber mold and then casting some other material into it, like plaster, to make a final object. And that was all new to me, and so she taught me those things. And I had done a little bit of programming, so I was help her, able to help her get started with that and program her a little electronic device. And, and those kinds of um, interactions that start out uh, you know, as casual and playful, but end up becoming like deep intellectual exercises, then oftentimes turn into really lasting friendships and collaborations. So tell us what you've seen around the world. I know you've traveled extensively and you, you're looking at all the, the new exciting things that a creative technologist would be interested in. What are some of the coolest, most cutting edge things you've seen that we maybe have never seen before here? One of the amazing things that's happening um, right now is the rise of synthetic biology and the integration of the tools and techniques of, of the biosciences with the maker world, with digital um, tools and computation. Um, people are starting to see the biological world as part of this palette of material possibilities for making stuff. And it, we're at a very early phase with this, and it sounds a little crazy probably, because like, biology? What, what do I even mean? Uh, the, the field of synthetic biology, um, which is uh, MIT's a, a leader in this world, um, one way to describe it is engineering life by manipulating DNA to make organisms do new things. And I mean like bacteria, little organisms. I, I got an invitation recently to a workshop where you can grow your own ink. So it's convincing bacteria to emit pigment that you can tune using their genetic code to uh, look and act and work the way you want. So you can make, you know, grow your own paint set, I suppose. Um, and that's just one, one example. But there's this, I think, incredible potential that we're going to um, see blossom in the next decades of using uh, biology to create new technologies and um, new systems that we aren't right now even really able to imagine. Maybe we're at a place uh, similar to where the personal computing revolution was, say, in the late 70s, where w we couldn't have imagined the internet or you know all of the amazing things that we do now uh, and how it's changed the world. Uh, and I think that's going to, to keep happening, and biology is going to be a big part of it. 
I love what the people at the San Francisco Exploratorium are doing. It's uh, the world's greatest science museum, in my opinion. They have a tinkering studio there, uh, and they've been doing this kind of uh, making as education for, for many years, and they've collaborated with the Media Lab. Um, right now, they're doing a really fun project where they've taken uh, the watercolor bot, which is a robotic watercolor painting machine designed uh, by a teenage girl and her collaborators. Um, they did a Kickstarter, very cool project. So what you do is you design something on the computer and then you can use this watercolor bot to, it actually like is a little robot that dips the paintbrush in the paint and then will paint your picture for you. And they're using that in combination with one of my projects, which is a graphical programming environment that lets you make 2D and 3D designs on the screen. And they're taking those and making the watercolor bot, uh, you know, paint them on paper. Really beautiful way to, to transition between the digital, the computational world, and the physical world and have an artifact uh, that you can take with you. Are you imagining that um, these fab labs or maker spaces with fab labs in them, are, are they destinations primarily for technology people like yourself, people who've, who've come out of uh, coding and computer science, and, or are they, are they for people who maybe aren't very good at that, who just can ima have great imaginations and would like to make something? I think there's a really powerful promise in unlocking the potential that we all have to be creative makers in the existence of these spaces around the world. Um, but it, it can be really hard to bring people in. There's a significant cultural barrier because we are talking about technology here um, and so people can uh, certainly believe that that's not for them, that they have never done math, science, engineering, that kind of thing. And to use it creatively seems intimidating. And so there's an incredible task ahead of us in terms of the people power of um, people who can facilitate and mentor, create these maker spaces as friendly and accessible and welcoming um, communities. And then also my role as a, as a designer is to support those environments with new tools. So like the, the one that I mentioned that you can use to make these designs, uh, it's called Beetle Blocks. It's a programming environment, but instead of text, you use graphical blocks. That's one. Um, when I was at MIT Media Lab, I was part of a project called Scratch, which is used all over the world by kids to make interactive media. Um, and that you can connect to um, Arduino, which is a electronics platform, or to Lego Robotics. So these, these kinds of things as ways to make a really accessible, creative, playful entry into um, the technology of making are things that I think we have a lot of need for and can reach a lot of people. So what I'm hearing you say is that the lines between technology and creativity and design are erased or quite blurred in this world. I think we're seeing a new synthesis. Uh, the head, the current director of the MIT Media Lab, Joey Ito, loves to talk about this kind of intersection of art and design along with um, science and engineering. And at the intersection of all of those things is this amazing power. Uh, but you can't see them as being isolated disciplines. Uh, and the Media Lab is a wonderful place where people can come together uh, across those boundaries. So these fab labs and maker spaces, um, this is, it's happening there, but it's sort of uh, self-directed, self-initiated. It's uh, interested people who are finding their way to these places and finding each other and sort of blowing up the barriers between 
math, science, art, and design on their own. It's almost their own movement or revolution. <laughs> well, it's true. It's a, the maker movement is a grassroots movement. Um, I've had the wonderful experience of, uh, along with my friend Jay Silver, creating this tool called the Makey Makey, which is an uh, uh, invention kit for everyone. And we funded that on Kickstarter. And this new movement of crowdfunding is a big part of the maker movement as well, allowing people to participate by creating new products with a lower barrier and also by, um, as a way for um, lots of people to, to, um, to get their hands on them. And so with the Makey Makey, we've reached a pretty wide audience that even just a few years before would not have been possible for us. So what's your next project? What's your next big maker maker thing you're going to do? Well, I'm in an experimentation phase right now. Uh, I finished my dissertation uh, at the beginning of this year on musical tinkering. And so I'm working on, on a few things that are about new ways for people to, to make music, but especially to make musical artifacts, musical stuff, like invent your own musical instrument out of everyday materials. And the Makey Makey is about that, but I'm, I'm uh, working on new iterations of that idea. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to see what comes out next. Eric Rosenbaum, thank you for sharing a little bit of your creative mind out loud. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.com dot org.